Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your hosts, Sean, X-Pac, Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Yeah. How's it going? Fantastic. Great. Hey, later, a little bit later on in the show... Uh, finally being joined by Mick Foley to talk about his 20 Years of Hell tour coming up. Yeah. And he's got a, uh, a WrestleMania viewing party in uh, Chicago at Duffy's where I did the Royal Rumble viewing party. Nice. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, who, you know some other things that Mick talked about recently that we'll, we'll probably get into with him, too. And, uh, and also, hey, um, Jimbo in the booth. Hello. Sean, On the couch, though. Yeah. <laughs> <Damian Lewis. laughs> Denise Salzado. Hey, everyone. Bill Hanstock. Upbox.com. Yep. Sundown Motel. <laughs> yada, yada. <laughs> um, TK Trinidad, the beautiful TK Trinidad. Okay. And join us in... Bleh, easy for me to say. <laughs> Joining us in studio. Star of Lucha Underground. Marty the Moth. What's up, man? Yeah. Thank you for coming in. Sweet. And you were in, um, you were in uh, Tough Enough. Yeah, yeah. So we talked. Awesome, yeah, we talked. We talked about you with, uh, with Steve when he was in the studio about that. Cause Jimbo brought you up to him about about that. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. all good things were. Said. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I Fantastic. Think I were, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways. So you were wait. You were on the season where uh, Matt Cross got the belt taken away from him. Yeah, Matt Cross and uh, Lean into your Matt Cross was there. Eva Lee's. As well. like, I still like we were just talking about it uh, a couple weeks ago. Like that's like probably possibly the saddest thing that's ever happened on WWE television is Matt trying to not let the belt be taken from him. Um, just his face, yeah. Like you can see his heart thing. being broken, yeah. and it's it's horrifying. But it worked Aww. out okay for him. It worked out okay. It worked yeah, out but okay. but the thing is, is I can I can totally imagine like what the feeling must be like at the time mm-hmm. when th- it seems like this is my big break or whatever and you don't know if you're going to get another one you don't know if the ship's ever going to come back yeah. in because yeah. it might not especially at the time a guy of Matt's size he was, he was one of the smaller guys but he had a big buzz going about him going in yeah. I heard about him before going back yeah. in I'm like alright he's the favorite to win so that's my guy I gotta beat <laughs> and then he left what third or fourth week and then it was like alright so this is mine so Marty how did you get how did you end up on Tough Enough Actually, I uh, was trying to get my name out, and anytime the WWE would come around Utah, I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. I know we were talking about that earlier. In the yeah, it's horrible. It's like six inches of snow right now. It's like, hell. That's beautiful, but it's just, I mean, I just probably when you started, it wasn't much of a wrestling scene around there, huh? Still isn't, honestly. Uh-huh. Um, there's the place that brought me up, UCW Zero, and then there's a few other places of like the flunkies who couldn't hack our training. 
So mm. that's the Utah scene. So that's why I want to move out here to L.A. as soon yeah. as possible. But I got on tough enough because uh, anytime that WWE was coming around, I would get myself as extra work. So they come to California, Houston. Yeah. They skip Utah all the time. I don't know what it is. Like, everyone skips Utah. My friends from Kill Switch Engage, they skip Utah every single time, too. Like, what is it with everybody hating Utah? It's not a hate. It's more of a, it's just an interesting place. (laughs) Well, here's the thing about about Utah and Salt Lake City. Like, okay, if you're going to run there, there's, like, not another, like, market to run where you could drive from Salt Lake City to such and such a town. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it makes it more expensive to go run there. Exactly. Now that's true. Because you can't do two or three shows in a, in, a, in a loop there. You know what I mean? Driving. Absolutely. No, I have to go from, I do my show on like Saturday at Utah, go down, fly, drive down to in Colorado, which yeah. is the next closest place. That's an eight-hour drive mm-hmm. or an hour flight. But that's the next closest place. And Las Vegas is six hours. Yeah. They have some good shows out there in Vegas. But I got tough enough just by doing extra work as many times as possible. Um, somebody wrote me on Facebook, actually, and said, hey, uh, I'm working with WWE Tough Enough. Do you, are you interested? I'm like, you write me on Facebook and you work for Tough Enough? You're full of crap. Uh, <laughs> there's no way you're writing me. And uh, no, he said, yeah, you're on WWE's radar. And then a couple days went by and I didn't write back. I thought it was a hoax. I'm like, yeah. screw it, just in case it's not. So I wrote back and... Got on tough enough. So who who was like in charge of that when when you were who were you dealing with? Uh, I'm trying to remember anyone I would know. Uh, no one I believe that you know. Act the Palumbos were in there. Do you know the Palumbos at all? Like Chuck. Not, and... I know Chuck was there, but there's some. There's two sisters that work for the Fed that uh, have been around the Fed for a while. It's uh, uh, Jess Palumbo and Christina. No, not there. It was, I was working with somebody, yeah. It was yeah, somebody. now we're getting up into the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> well, was Tough Enough your first WWE tryout, or did you actually have a tryout before I had a that? tryout back when they had the F- FCW uh, thing going on in our, not Orlando, was it Tampa? Was that when you wrestled Colt Cabana? Yeah. That's where I wrestled Colt Cabana. As Dan Sever. Yes, with that <laughs> awesome mustache. Thank you, Colt Cabana. You're awesome <laughs> for that lovely mustache. No, and we got to have that rematch eventually. Um, but no, yeah, that's when I had that rematch or that match with Colt Cabana with the mustache. Are, are you are you going to be in New Orleans for Mania Weekend? I am because Matt Riddle's putting on a blood sport event where it's KO or submission only, and that's where the you versus uh, Colt as Stan uh, rematch can take place. Book it. Make that happen. <laughs> well, Let's make that happen. How do you feel? You're having a tryout. This could be your one opportunity to get your dream job, and this guy doesn't really care. And he's dressing up as Dan Severin instead of taking it seriously. Well, going in, you're the guy that's not signed, and this guy is. So what are you going to do? Like, hey, man, take it serious? Or, or, but knowing Cole Cabana, he's a goof off anyway. So he could be absolutely 100% serious and taking this serious. Just he happens to have a mustache and trying to be somebody else. That, that, see, that, you're, that is Cole Cabana. That's how he is. Exactly. Yeah. Did you not have a good tryout match because of that? Or did it, no, did it I, dampen the... No, I don't think it dampened it at all. I had just... I had fun. I just didn't put together a match that highlighted me in my head uh-huh. that I thought of. Um, I actually had a blast doing it. I'd yeah. like to have a regular match where he's not Dan Severn. Um, but no, I just, that's what I've known of him. He's just the goof-off. That, that's yeah. me, too. I'd be goofing off, too. Hmm. You're on that other extreme, like, <laughs> goofy, but yours is, like, crazy... 
to where you're like, I don't know if this is this guy really nuts. Like we were talking earlier this week about how you get into character for your promos and you legit smack yourself. Yeah, yeah. But e- even during the acting scenes too. Like there's guy Skip Chison who does the Lucha Underground tapings. Uh, he does the acting part of it. He always just watches and laughs at me because like I'm getting ready and I start slapping myself I'm like oh, okay. So I'm not going to do any more than this, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I start beating the crap out of myself and like getting into it and it works. That so. was a pretty. See, I don't mind when other people do that to me. I just wouldn't do it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like you tell someone to slap you to get like amped up or. Well, I mean, in the, in the, like not so much like, you know, before we do a, a prompt, maybe I probably should have done that. I would have done <laughs> freaking promo. <laughs> Should have done that, Marty. It, it, for some reason, it helps. Like pouring water with that Absolutely. shock value, like jump you into yeah. like ready to go kind of thing. Who are your big influences as far as like character work and stuff? Actually, uh, Shawn Michaels. Like yeah. just watching him, he legit looks like he's just having fun in there. Especially towards Ellen, the end of his career, he was having fun. You could see in his face. So that's kind of how I mimicked kind of my career off off of is Shawn Michaels. So that's guy influenced everything. Yeah, it used to be I got into wrestling because of uh, Goldberg. And then I saw Shawn Michaels wrestle versus Goldberg wrestle. Huh. So when you were in Tough Enough, did, was it what you expected it to be, or was it totally different? And what was it like working with Stone Cold? Well, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin, so that was actually my first time meeting him. So that was a little bit intimidating, but at the same time, I was in a competition, so I had to, like, set the fanboy over here in this compartment, yeah. and then just, okay, this is my coach. He's big, tall, intimidating, buff as hell, but he's my coach. Mm-hmm. So I had to set that aside, but it, it was super cool, and it's exactly what I kind of expected because I heard about other Tough Enoughs. I started doing a bunch of research about Tough Enoughs. They basically want to kill you and make you quit. They want to push you past those limits and basically have you personally quit. And well, for sure that's how that like that Tough Enough was, right? I mean, the the one that, the one most recent one they did was a little bit different. They had yeah. people swimming in lakes for floating plastic alligator heads. <laughs> I was in a cheerleading outfit. <laughs> I was in a cheerleading outfit, which definitely helped my wrestling career. Mm-hmm. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Tough I, Enough. I think, like, it, felt, it felt like that your season of Tough Enough, like, one of the big storylines was, like, sort of, you know, you're a loudmouth and you're cocky, and I think that, that they really presented that to fans for a few weeks, but then you could really back it up, like, athletically and in the ring. Like, wh- how much of the how much of the hand of production did you feel while you were there doing it? I filled it mostly during interviews. I think they had a different... It's it's reality TV, but they will try and push, hey, this guy looks... You look totally like a bad guy, so we're going to try and make him say some bad guy things, and we can edit mm-hmm. the way we'd like. But yeah. they can't make you say, hey, say this for us, because it's not reality TV. Oh, uh, uh, trust me, they do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that they, that particular you know Show. production did it, but that's definitely something done in reality TV. Absolutely, recreate reality. scenes and like, oh yeah. I remember one time it was like our second day, and we weren't allowed to talk to each other. And I just heard about Matt Cross. I just didn't. I hadn't had any personal experience with him. And I remember one of the interviews was like, he has all these friends there at the WWE, and he's still here at Tough Enough. Does that piss you off somehow? I'm like. Why would that piss me off that he has friends in the WWE and he's still trying to get a spot? What? Like, I don't know why that pissed me off. It does piss you off, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. So I think that kind of... Please be pissed off. Please be pissed off. We really need you to be pissed off. <laughs> and actually, there was a guy named Luke Robinson who actually played the cocky, uh, more, I guess, heel of that show, if you wanted to play it. How's he doing? 
I don't think he did anything. <laughs> he, he was the one that had the little tryout with Matt during the show mm-hmm. that Matt doesn't do everything he's supposed to do, and that was the show he got let go on. Mm-hmm. And when they asked him, like, well, you have all this experience. Why weren't you out there doing things? And he's like, permission to speak, sir? And Austin's like, yeah, here's your permission. Amen. So after after um, after Tough Enough, was how long from that uh, experience until you made your way down to Mexico? Oh, Mexico. Uh, well, it took about... I broke. I ended up breaking my ankle, yeah. unfortunately. Freak, freaking accident. I've watched it a million times uh, trying to figure out what I could have done different. Uh, nothing. It's just a freak accident. But yeah. everything happens for a reason. Uh, so, Tough Enough was 2011. I was probably back in the ring by the end of 2011. Uh, Lucha Underground was 2000. It was a couple of years. It was a couple of years. Because then I went back on the... Uh, Indie scene. I did some WWE more tryout yeah. stuff with them, um, and then after Lucha Underground is when my AAA stuff started because Vampiro. So oh, you're oh, okay. So your Lucha, un, you're okay. So your AAA stuff came after Lucha Underground. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had the impression that it was first. Yeah, no, it was uh, Lucha Underground first. Then because Vampiro mm-hmm. said I like yeah. kind of what you're doing here, we're going to take you to AAA. So that's how my whole Mexico thing started. And so at that, and 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 is is Vamp. Vamp's role at AAA, like, kind of like a talent relations role, or what is that? What's he doing? He kind of runs everything over there. Yeah. So he's the guy behind the camera telling them where the cameras are, hey, what say this on commentary, and he is pretty much doing everything. In AAA. AAA. Yeah, yeah, in AAA. And he's the talent relations for Lucha Underground, which that was a as of last season. So that's yeah. new. But uh, we started Lucha Underground, then that got me to AAA. So mm-hmm. fun times. Yeah. So how was your AAA experience? Like, what are you supposed to tell me? <laughs> 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 Especially if you're deal- still dealing with them. Sorry. I'm still dealing with them, yeah. Right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it's interesting. Yeah. It's Mexico. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always a blast wrestling in front of thousands and thousands of people. They're great, right? The, oh, my gosh. It's a different environment yeah. than, like, the temple. The temples, you can only fit, like, four, three to 400 people in there max like what maybe 300 400 and uh they're loud it's very intimate versus the triple a the wwe where there's fourteen thousand people etc yeah and they're going nuts and and like you're just getting old-fashioned heat on on the baby bases and they're going if the baby bases sell because a lot of them won't sell for you but the ones that (laughs) do the the smart ones that do oh my god the place goes nuts insane right it's like so satisfying it's oh. so nice, and you get to be so much slower, yeah. which I love, because especially at Lucha Underground, these guys do all these flips and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, I'll just kick you when you come down, bro. Just tell me <laughs> when you're coming back down to the ground and so I can take my sweet time. I so like what's going the cra- What's the craziest experience you've seen or had in a Lucha crowd? Uh, in a Lucha crowd? Hmm. You ever had a uh, cup of piss thrown on you? There was, it's always stuff warm. I imagine it's beer, but I don't know. I, I always tell myself it's beer. Yeah. I've always had beer thrown at me every single time in Mexico. Shitty I don't know diaper. If that's a thing. Oh, I haven't had that one. Have it's mostly you? drinks. Yeah. yeah. Congrats, man. Uh, uh, a bag, one of the, a bag, a little plastic baggie full of pica, the hot sauce. That when it hits you, it leaves a red mark on oh, you. Oh, yeah, wow, that's that's pretty. Yeah, they got a lot of things. They can. Yeah, they're pretty creative down there. Worse than Puerto Rico. D- similar. Okay. 
Yeah, quite similar. And they'll stay after the shows. They'll yeah. be there before the shows. Yeah. Like, they don't care. Like, they will wait until they see you and get a picture with you. Did Mexico you just do awesome. TVs down there, Marty, or did you do the house show runs? They only, I only did TVs. Okay, they so you didn't, the the full, uh, the you didn't get the full Mexico experience. 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 Trust me. Take the diaper tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like that just so I can have the experience. Oh, yeah. And then go right back to you. It's not a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. It's Look, the, the that's the thing. Like, the word... That the things that uh, we won't accept up here generally, like those, the, the luchadors in Mexico, they're used to dealing with, and they're just, they, they put up with it. They tolerate it, and it's just the way they do things down there. They'll go, you know, I've, and I did this, so I know it for a fact. You know, a 12-hour bus ride at work in Oaxaca, 12-hour bus ride back, and get on another bus. Don't even go take a shower you know, in between or, you know, anything. Get right on another bus, go to another show. Absolutely. And, yeah, and that's just, they, you know, that's just such hard workers down there, man. It, Incredible. Absolutely. absolutely. Incredible. And they even have, like, even cultural differences, like toilet paper. Yeah. Like, you better bring your own. Better bring your own from the hotel. Yeah. Okay, especially because they have me paint my face. I'm part of the clown get, uh, stuff out there. Yeah. And so I have nothing to wipe it off with. I'm like, oh, I have to use the bathroom too. I'll just go get some toilet paper. Like, nope, that, that's not there in some of these arenas. So yeah. you just better bring it from the hotel. Wow. What? That's you better crazy. hold it. <laughs> yeah. So, so where did you stay at? Did you stay at the Hotel Fornos? Yes. You yes, did. I did. I did. All I stayed right. at Fornos for one on. There's some uh, travel. Travel Mexico, something like that. The Hotel Fornos is the hotel that pretty much like okay, Arena. Me- it's it's right near Arena Mexico. Right, yeah, but Arena Mexico guys and AAA guys would stay there. Like it was just a really famous, and it's, it's kind a of walk. a yeah, and it's honestly like it's a it's a hotel that like people when they're when people when guys like businessmen are cheating on their wives, they bring the girl to this hotel. Yeah. Why, That's you exactly by the hour or something like that. Yeah, too? well, like sort of. I mean, they're just—it's pretty cheap to get a hotel down there. And it's and the fans like since it's so close to the arena, like the fans are walking out, so they'll see wrestlers, so they'll just yeah. hang out outside yeah. the hotel room. So if you're the single dude, and, and then there's like little panda restaurant that Panda the Luchador owns. That's right, you know, right down the street. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. I oh, would, yeah. wish I would have ate there. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty good too. Damn. There's so yeah. many wrestling pandas now. I know, right? The one that lives with uh, John Morrison and Johnny, them. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's one uh, in Northern California, Ultra Panda. That's, oh, yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Has a he secret like identity. Yeah. Like Wrestling's changing, man. Yeah. Wrestling's changing. Now it's always getting... changing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, originally in Lucha Underground, you weren't supposed to be the crazy Marty the Moth character you are now. You were supposed to be a magician, right? I was supposed to be a magician. <laughs> and I was supposed to be Mil Muertes, if you guys know the show. I was supposed Wait, to be Mil Muertes. Ricky, Ricky so, Banderas' Ricky character? Ricky Banderas' awesome. character, yeah. Wow. I'm wow. very glad I didn't how go did, that right. Yeah, really? How did they decide not to put you in that role? Or I guess they found Ricky... Well, uh, they had me actually wrestle the very first match with him as Mil Muertes. Um, I ended up... I, I don't. I can't be a serious guy. I'm not a serious guy. I'm a goof off. That's what I do. So trying to, I can be that character, but they just didn't see it in me. And they saw it with Ricky. Ricky's well a, because that fits guy. Ricky. That like fits if you know Ricky, Ricky, and if you ever watched him as Macias, I mean that's that's pretty much. Yeah, that's, a, that's surprising to me because like basically, Mil Muertes seems like 
basically like a character you create if you're like, well, we've got Judas Macias coming in. Yeah. Like it's yep. put a mask on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. He wears contacts. It fits in perfect. They actually had me as a magician first off. What was the name? Uh, Tarbosh, Mag- the Egyptian magician. <laughs> if you if, if if you if you never heard Jerky Boys, you're probably going, What? <laughs> <laughs> That's an old jerky. Bo- oh, never mind. Jerky boys were this one thing. Anyways, we'll talk. Uh, <laughs> People used to have telephones, yeah. and you would have to <laughs> would uh, crank call pick them up and answer them. <laughs> uh, they actually had me as uh, Marty or Magnificent Martin, and I was walked out by the beautiful Brenda. I was oh, walking right. on Famous B right now, <laughs> and she's a trick. I just yeah. uh, can you, can yeah. you do magic tricks? <laughs> nah, I can make your money disappear if you get living on <laughs> <laughs> Does that work? Does that count? Yeah, but I mean, like, why? I, mean, I, I have no idea where they have this character. Oh, yeah. And then they want, I want, like, all right, I'm a magician, so I want to do the best I can. I'm going to make a magician thing work. So, like, did you have a cape or a hat or something magician like? They're like, no. Like, all right, give me that, uh, that, it was a, uh, Bed sheet or something that was hanging up in the wardrobe. I'm like, give me that. I'll wear that. They're like, you're not going to wear a bed sheet out there. I'm like, yeah, no, I ended up getting a concussion that day. We were talking about pink earlier and uh, the salmon shirt going Pink's rocking on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with pink. Um, I was actually wearing uh, hot pink shorts with a peacock on my penis, and I woke up in the emergency room, like, with no shirt. They didn't give me a shirt on. Frogs are in here are crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hear them all the way over on the couch. <laughs> I just cut the biggest fart, probably. <laughs> uh, I'm ever sure the mic's picked it up, Sean. <laughs> it's like the fourth one today. No, one, no yeah. one's ever cut a fart that big oh in the studio. Oh, my God. It's never picked <laughs> up on the mic. Sorry, that buddy. That one echoes. Yeah. <laughs> what better way to start? You the other three that he does. No. no. Back to your story. So you had Sorry. a peacock on your penis. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was yeah. the penis thing made me fart. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a Pavlov, it's a Pavlovian thing. No, that's a, actually the best way to end a story right there. Just, <laughs> boom. I was I woke up in the in the emergency room with a peacock on my penis. And no I had a peacock and, on my penis and then And then boom. That's that's pretty much <laughs> the experience right the there. But because of they are owned by MGM, I couldn't wrestle for three months because of insurance reasons. So because of that, I was one of the first signed at Lucha Underground, but I couldn't wrestle. Like, the taping was only two and a half seasons, like, two and a half months long. No. So I wasn't in most of season one. So they had, like, all right, you're signed. Just kind of hang out. I'm like, all right. I'm wrestling on the indies. I'm wrestling at AAA, but I can't wrestle here because of insurance. No. So I'm like, all right, this is great. Oh, well. Worked out for me. Are you still getting paid? No. Uh, oh. yeah. So you were on season four then, right? That, that, season four is taping now. Yeah, yeah we're taping it, it so right So you're now. doing it right now. Oh, yes. You know, they asked, they asked me to be part of that. What I heck? just couldn't do it. Yeah. Just, well, just... I could do it, but then once they found out I had a Legends contract with WWE. Uh... Yeah, but WWE said, go ahead. That's fine. What? No problem. But they still didn't want to do it. They just never, when I told them that, they, I want to fix yeah, that. Yeah, Joseph never contacted me again. What? But I, I appreciate him reaching out. Like, it, you know, that's a lot to me. Is that something I need to follow up on? No, make that no, no, no. All right. What? Xbox and have the them in the moth. Tri- have them in the moth. Have them in the moth. Try yeah. be crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to say what they wanted me to be a part of because I don't want to uh, be in, like part of giving out any spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Cease and desist. I don't want that. Cease and desist. Talk to them this week because there's three more days of taping, right? Yeah. Three more. There's two more days of taping. Days actually, days Ultima Lucha. So that yeah. could be fun to work out. What's that? Uh, <laughs> you getting your ass down there and just saying hey. Yeah. <laughs> Delucha, uh, yeah, dude. Friday and Saturday. Give him one of those. Lucha give four. One of those. Where's that? Uh, <laughs> essentially, our WrestleMania. That's a Friday and Saturday. 
that the old. Do you know the address? I don't know the address. It's, it's an old ice stage. Ice stage. Like, ice. like they. It's a cold storage, basically, okay. that yeah. they converted into the new temple. The new. The oh, new okay. Space pretty close to like Boyle Heights. It's pretty yeah. cool, actually. We have all of our sets and wardrobe, and everything in there. It's kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, it's it such awesome. a better setup. It's amazing. It's it is, and it's interesting now. Um, because all these people gave out spoilers all the time at Lucha, yeah. as they do. But like then, Ryan sat in that pro wrestling oh sheet. Oh my god, <laughs> that letter back though was priceless. What he wrote back to them. That I was, haven't seen the letter. Oh, the letter I, back. I, I understand. Back. I understand oh where gosh. each side's coming from on that. Absolutely, absolutely. That letter back was. But it worked because I haven't seen any spoilers for the last week or the week before that. So, all right. So we'll see how this works. So I guess without saying, giving too much away, what can we expect from your character, Marty the Moth, on Lucha Underground this upcoming season? Yeah, craziness. <laughs> like, you should be <laughs> expecting that. Uh, what can I do that's not spoiler? Like, well, the craziest thing already is how fast you're able to grow your hair back. Brother, good vitamins, right? <laughs> good vitamins. Do you supplements have anything to do with it? Absolutely, actually. Yeah. yeah, I have a good multivitamin. Like we were talking about before, I have yeah. Lyme disease. So all these... I, well, I was going to ask you if you wanted to talk about that. Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? I don't care. All right. <laughs> um, I have Lyme disease, so I can't, like, absorb, like... Food and nutrients that, as well as other people. Yeah. So I found this stuff that actually skips that and goes exactly right into your cells. So. And what is this? Uh, these I actually opened up a, a partner with a company here. Yeah. Um, these right here, that one is sleep, so that's going to help you. I'm sorry, that's going to help you get some better sleep. It uh, clears out your brain while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helped a lot of people. Chavo really like that. And it's what's it called? It's called sleep. And what's the Keep name of the supplement in. company? Uh, Viseo. And it's on my website, martincasaus.com, so go there and buy it. Say it again? martincasaus.com. How do you spell that? Uh, C-A-S-A-U-S. If you Google Mario the Moth, okay. it's the first one to come up. Right, I just want to make sure everyone knows where they can get go it. to Appreciate find out. that. Yeah. Then I got the green one. There's the Renew. is actually for anti-inflammatory and post-workout stuff. So that's actually helped me a lot, especially those flights. Like flying to Japan, that's something yeah. on my knees. Um, uh, so the, 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 the Lyme disease, uh, what, is, what are the symptoms of that? Um, they, there's very different symptoms for everybody yeah. with mine in particular, it messes with my hormones. It has brain fog. So like I can, oh, yeah, couldn't yeah. remember very well. Yeah. Kind of like when you wake up right in the, the very beginning of, the, of your morning, you're like, okay, I'm at my house. I'm in my bed. Da, da, da. It's kind of like with a hangover thing. That's kind of where I stayed for 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Just in that like haze. Yeah. Brutal. Dead haze. So it kind of sucks. So I had to take like Adderall. Um, Vivant, stuff like that for focus. Um, I drank like seven energy drinks a day for uh, ever just to try and stay awake through the day. Does anyone tired. ever just think that, hey, just like, just suck it up? Like, does anyone ever just think a second, you know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Said that it's all the really time. It's really frustrating, right? I said that to myself a thousand and a half I, times. I wondered that. Yeah, yeah, I said to myself, like, maybe I'm, there's nothing yeah. wrong with me. Just I'm supposed to be this tired, and that's what everybody yeah. else is too. But now that I've found out that it's Lyme disease, yeah. I can treat it a little bit better and use these supplements to help make you feel good. So I'm very glad I didn't give up and just say, screw it, it's not sure. to fill. And I was talking to you before before we started recording today and uh, mentioning Chris Christopherson. Yes. The world, you know, obviously famous actor and, and songwriter and, uh, whose son, Jody, uh, went, was in FCW, yeah. NXT. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he had a neck injury that that put him out. Now, like he's he had neck surgery, and I think he's done. He re- unfortunately, oh, yeah, he retired. Yeah, oh, did he? Bummer. Yeah, but but the thing is, is that his father uh, 
a legendary Chris Christopherson. Uh, they thought he, he was they they diagnosed with him with dementia Aww. several years back, and and you know so just figure you know they they accepted the diagnosis and figured that you know he was just going to fade away and. Turns out he was Lyme disease, and they could treat it, and they treated it, and I think you know he got his mind back, and 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 I'm wondering if like that brain fog you're talking about was the you know the onset of that oh, type abs- of symptom. It very well. Could and if be. you didn't figure this out, it, you very well could have ended up like that. Oh, I I very much agree. I very well could have. Yeah. I'm I just had my birthday, so I'm 33 now. By the time I would have been 50, if I wouldn't have done something, I'm sure I would have been. St- Getting help and sitting in a chair being a vegetable somewhere. Wow. Um, uh, look, I, I did have, have find this. I don't take my Adderall anymore. I have a brain supplement as well that uh-huh. helps with brain fog. Uh, so I don't take that anymore. I don't drink energy drinks anymore. I have my V3. Everything's yeah. all natural and vegan. So I feel good for the first time in my life. And Do you it, eat a vegan diet? Um, no, I don't. Okay. I eat like shit, to be honest. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> That's well, all right. I, well, I mean, no, it's not. But you know. It's not. Well, I, I eat pretty good. And then it's just the weekends. Yeah. We're on the road. And when you're on the road doing that, um, I eat pretty bad there. But I feel better than I have in 10 years. And because mm-hmm. of Lyme disease and they're different... Uh, this is Lyme disease, this is Lyme disease, brain fog, da 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 It's so hard to diagnose. I had to go to the doctor. I spent thousands and thousands of doctors just trying to get diagnosed what yeah. is wrong with me. It took over a decade, and I finally found it. So if you have Lyme disease, don't give up. It, it gets better. Well, I mean, if you have it, there's a good chance that you have no clue that's what it is or, like, you know, the same thing that you, you know, had to go I through. I was diagnosed with depression. Yeah. I was diagnosed with uh uh, athletic asthma or something like that or oh, at- asthma. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got Yeah, I was one. diagnosed with that, but yeah. it wasn't it didn't end up being the right diagnosis. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they diagnosed sports induced asthma. Yes, that's yeah. what it is. Sports yeah. induced. Yeah, they got me with that. Then they said there was like one or two other diagnoses. I'm like there's no way. Like I feel pretty happy. I'm not depressed. Like I'm just super super tired. Sure. So, yeah, it, it it's hard to fly, figure out and diagnose correctly. Do you think that, like, in a weird way, this kind of helped you out in terms of, like, being more, like, self-aware about your body and your health, therefore contributing to help you, helping you out with your wrestling career? Or how has that been? Obviously, there's, like, tons of pros and cons. 100% absolutely. Um, after Tough Enough, I, Steve Austin was super nice. Um, he gave me his cell phone. He kept in touch. He critiqued some of my matches. I'm like, all right, this is super cool. Like, and I'm, I asked him straight up, all right, well, what could I have done better? He's like, honestly, you probably would have won if you hadn't broken your leg. I'm like, oh, that's good to hear from the man himself. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I would change is WWE likes big guys, put on some weight. I hired a personal trainer. I put on 40 pounds. Just eating, changing my diet. Yeah. Diet is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, just changing my diet. And because I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, I knew what was affecting me negatively. I knew kind of my body does this because I've tried to play with foods and stuff. Yeah. So it definitely has helped me in my career to know what my body likes and not likes because I've done all these different tests on it. Mm. And then I wouldn't even got, I even went and got my testing done and I was like allergic to everything because of Lyme disease. Like beef, chicken, pretty much everything good and uh, everything bad. So I'm pretty much if I eat, I'm screwed. But it's fixing and I feel better now. So sweet. <laughs> well, you've been Happy in Lucha that. Underground since season one. We're taping season four right now. What is something that Lucha could do better in season four that they haven't done in the prior three seasons? Uh, bring us back quicker. 
I, I, it's been two years since we taped yeah. last, and, uh, and granted, Lucha Underground isn't a wrestling company. It's a TV show. That's what I love about it more than anything. Um, it's a TV show, but it sucks if we don't come back for two years. Bring us back yeah, a but year. Later. At least you're allowed to go work somewhere else now. Now, yeah. yes. Before we couldn't. Well, I mean, it, but we can't really keep worrying about before. Correct. You know. Correct. I mean, yeah, that sucked. Absolutely, that was BS. But like, this is. I mean, at least we you can do it now. Now it's passed. Yeah. I honestly think this is going to be these next couple years are going to be just stellar as far as my career and acting and wrestling and supplements awesome. obviously you're smart enough to do okay i did wrestling now i'm going to use that to here on this show yeah multiple streams of income and so that's, that's right. why i started diversify this. that's right that's what you have to do in the year 2018 that's right i was a stockbroker yeah. uh till about nine months ago for fidelity mm-hmm. investments yeah everybody's face was like what i know i love watching people's faces <laughs> jimbo's face she's like you gotta finance. You gotta finance the chasing of the dream somehow. That's right. Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do, so I got my college degree, and I'm like, now nah, what? Mom and Dad told me to get a college degree, so mm-hmm. get a job, I guess. I became a stockbroker, and here we are. Now I'm not doing that shooting crap anymore. <laughs> hey man, hey, we have to take a break and uh, uh, come back with Mick. Is there? Um, dur, dur, dur. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there give is. Give us the, some like. Like what you have going on right now, like like you know the supplements or any projects outside of Lucha Underground we haven't talked about. Yeah, I'm um, actually in a film called Good Enough uh, that's coming out. I'm acting in that. I was in the last Adam Sandler movie, but that's before. Um, there's another film that's coming up. I can't talk about, but you'll see it on my social media. Martin the Sandy Cassaz. whatever movie. Sandy Wexler. Yeah, that Sandy cool. Wexler. That's on Netflix. Uh-huh. That's on Netflix. Hanging out with Terry Crews. Uh-huh. Um, Honestly, it, I am doing acting, my supplement company, and I'm shooting Lucha Underground right now. Uh, all my films and everything I put on Martin Casales, like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's all there. I'm doing films. I'm helping people with the supplements. I'm giving you, I'm giving you these two bottles, so they're yours. Thank you very so much. So freaking enjoy, and I want to hear some feedback if I can. Absolutely. And uh, just rocking out and wrestling. So follow me. Go to martincasales.com. Order some stuff. In fact, because of this show... Uh, I put a discount code on all my shirts. Yeah. Boom. All my shirts. The members of the modern Sweet Mothman looking shirt. 10% yes. off uh, if with the code XPOC nice. on my site. Check, awesome. Check that out. Nice. Going to have to go to the site, buy some stuff. Well, sweet. Hey, well, we're going to go take a break right now. We're going to come back with the real Mick Foley. No, I think it's just real Mick Foley with no the on it, right? Bang, all right. Bang. Be right back. Hey, Xbox 12360 fans. I just wanted to tell you two ways that you can support the show to help it grow. First, if you've ever wanted a shout-out or surprise message for various occasions from me, all you have to do is visit celebdm.com slash Sean Waltman to request a video today. Not only does it support the show, but a portion of the proceeds go to charity. Second, visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the X-Pac 12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag X-Pac 12360. That's CelebVM.com slash Sean Waltman for a personal message from me, X-Pac. And ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman for X-Pac, Wolfpack, and X-Pac 12360 gear. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. On the phone right now. I'm really excited to be joined by Mick Foley. Thank you so much, Mick. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a bigger pop than I used to get at my matches. So uh, thank you for that, guys. Uh, and it's and thank congratulations on uh, this this gig, Sean. Uh, you're very much deserving of it. Thank you, thank you, Mick. I appreciate that. And uh, you're one of the guys that um, a few years back, when I started pulling myself up out of the darkness, you were one of the first guys that started believing in me again. And I, I won't forget that, Mick. Well, yeah, yeah. I, well, I try to call him like I see him, and. Um, yeah, I, I believed in you, and I saw you, you know, doing your very best, and uh, and then I saw you of all places, you know, to to put on like a wrestling exhibition. <laughs> you don't think of the gathering right. as that. As, as that gathering place. of the juggalos. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At two o'clock in the morning. When you're dodging morning. debris and stuff, yeah. and I was like, man, you know, I was I was doing the commentary with uh, Kevin, Kevin Gill. Gill, and I was like, he still got it, you know, and he thought you'd be a great guy to have around the the guys to. You know, kind of uh, be that Fit Finley type of uh, you know teaching wrestler, and uh, you know maybe that didn't work out, but you're certainly reaching a lot of people with your voice on this show. Oh, so. for sure, yeah, and I, things work out how they're supposed to. But uh, hey, Mick, do you remember the first time we met by any chance? Oh man, no, no. Tell I'll me. tell you. Maybe you'll ring yes. a bell. Yes, and I ask that I, I ask everyone that question when they come on here because I usually do. And it was, we were, I think we had, maybe, was it not, SummerSlam 95 in Pittsburgh. Oh, and yeah, you at the yeah, hotel. yeah, I, that's right. I would, I, uh, I just, <laughs> yeah, I, you, I remember you were so seeing burned. you and Your, your arm Kevin. was all burned up. Yeah, I was wrestling uh, Sabu that night in an independent show, and I'd come back from the, the Kawasaki Dream Tournament in yeah. pretty rough shape. Uh, better known as the King of the Death Match, and literally while I was wrestling, you know, all the gauze came off, and it was just a hideous. Uh, it was the, all the like the kind of the the burns uh, where they were really really fresh there, yeah. and uh, it was yeah it was. I, I, in retrospect, I probably should have taken a couple of weeks off um, after that tournament, but you know the mindset. That's just not something you even consider at that point in your right. career. And honestly, you know, Mick, people go, oh, these things were unnecessary back then. But I think, like, I look at it differently. Like, those things that people think are unnecessary, I think they are necessary at the time to get where we need to go in a certain, and it's, I mean, maybe to a certain, I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, um, I don't want to encourage people to do stupid things. But you know what I mean? Like, the, some of the certain calculated risks we take early on in our career are, are there for a greater purpose. Yeah, I you know when people ask me if I have regrets, and I'll say, well, I probably shouldn't have been dropping elbows off of ring aprons in front of really small crowds, you know, at uh, on independent shows. But then you go, but if I hadn't been of that mindset where every match was the most important match, uh, yeah. you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten to where I did. And I remember, um, you know, saying words to that effect, like, hey, you don't have to do that every night to CM Punk when he was all banged up, and he was like. If I didn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be here. So right. it's easy to say I shouldn't have. I mean, clearly, you know, we should have done different things say, as far as protecting ourselves yes. and chair shots to the head and things Absolutely. like that. And you could argue that uh, the whole deathmatch concept is ludicrous, but I knew exactly what I was signing up for, and it, that's what it was. That's what it was advertised as. And, uh, you know, I mean, I <laughs> could blame Terry Funk for claiming that we needed to have explosives in the middle in addition. <laughs> you know, uh, they set that thing off in the uh, outfield the afternoon before the fans got in, and it sounded, I mean, it was the most terrifying thing in the world, and I think 
my voice rose like three octaves. I was like, yeah. there's no way, there's no way. And, like, and then Terry goes, well, that looks good, but I think we need another round right in the middle. Right. And that I sounds said, like Terry. If we have ex- yeah, if we have explosives on each side and the middle. Where are we going to land? And he went, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it wasn't <laughs> fine. You know, it absolutely was not fine. Uh, and that's, uh, it's actually, that'll be like, I know, you know, you and I mentioned that I was going to talk about my, uh, the upcoming show and uh, the 20 Years of Hell tour. Yeah. And I'm like, if I have to trace back, like, where that match started, it would be in Japan when Terry Funk became my mentor. You know, where against my wife's wishes, you know, I would listen <laughs> to, to Terry. Yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, if, uh, having explosives on um, both sides of the middle seemed like a good idea to Terry, then eventually seemed like a good idea to me. And if... If starting the match on top of the cell seemed like a good idea to Terry, <laughs> you know, it struck me as being a good idea too. So I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun. You know, Terry's going to figure very prominently in this upcoming show, and uh, going to take try to take people on a nice. Uh, oh, Terry's going to be involved. Is he going to be there? He, you know, he won't be there. I'm going to oh. see if I can get him out there. But I'm just like saying his presence will sure. be felt. Yeah, he was one of my biggest influences, and. You know, not only literally, you know, coming up with the idea to start the match on top of the cell, but also, you know, kind of instilling in me the idea that, you know, being hardcore is not about uh, a chair or a table or a branding iron, but it's more about, uh, you know, giving people more than, you know, they bargain for, going above and beyond, you know, to entertain fans. And by that, you know, by that definition, I think there are a lot of people who are hardcore. Well, Terry to me is the is the original hardcore. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. yeah. So not only was he doing what I did, but he was twenty years older, and most of the stuff we did that would have gotten us arrested in countries around the world yeah. was his idea. Well, they, and they were doing some crazy stuff on Amarillo TV back in the day. <laughs> I wasn't privy to that, but yeah, you when you know they would say like. Uh, you know, the bigger the uh, territory as far as cities go, yeah. like the less, the work didn't have to be quite as solid because yeah. there were going to be more people who could take their place in arenas. Whereas you were working around the, you know, the towns in Amarillo and West Texas, like you had to bring those same people back, mm-hmm. you know, on a weekly, uh, monthly, and sometimes even weekly basis. And so, yeah, yeah you had to keep pushing the envelope. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's there's some rugged, uh, <laughs> it's a rugged part of the country out there. So to be tougher than the average guy working in oil field, you sometimes got to, uh, I guess, have to push the bar a little further. Speaking of Texas, uh, Mick, you and I were we both worked for GWF, and the, the crazy thing is, G- Global Wrestling Federation that was on ESPN, uh, Joe <laughs> Pettisino. I'm just kind of real quick running that info off for yeah, people yeah. that don't know uh, about GWF, um, but. It was weird because it seemed like you were working for them and WCW at the same time, Mick. And I, was. And, and I never crossed paths with you in GWF at the Sportatorium. Yeah, it was, uh, I was only there a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, this was when Joe Bettacino, you know, supposedly, you know, he really thought he had a legit, you know, backer with millions of dollars. Max Andrews. And I, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it wasn't Oh, Max. no, it was oh, Carol, Carol Lindsay. Uh, no, it's a Nigerian. Not the oh, Nigerian Omar, oh, scheme, yeah, but Olu Oliamu, Olu Oliamu, or something like that. <laughs> was was yeah. that it? Yeah, I, I did not know, uh, you know, politically that you weren't supposed to be working for both companies, especially when I was, you know, I was being featured on WCW yeah. and a program was staying, and then I was, you know, like uh, you know, losing, 
you know, it was a good match. It's good with Terry, Terry Gordy. Me and Terry Gordy, yeah, yeah which is a cool, a cool match just because Terry wasn't the kind of guy who'd call anything backstage, and it was uh, a lot of give and take. And you didn't know, you get powerbombed? Didn't you get powerbombed on the floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. And granted, that was you know the wooden floor, but it was still a, a rough landing. To this day, I don't think I've ever seen that match. Hey, hey, it won't live up to hey, Mick, my memories of it. Hey, that yeah. wood, that wooden floor is a lot softer than the ring at the Sportatorium. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, yeah, that thing it never came down, right? No, it, just, it was just there for decades on end. So there, yeah, there wasn't a lot of a given it. Um, but yeah, eventually it was uh, you know Magnum uh, said we need you to you know like kind of make a choice and then uh, you know he and I just talked about it. I just saw him a couple weeks ago at uh, a horror convention of all things in Carolina, and uh, yeah, they offered me a, a pretty standard contract and said it was a uh, you know it was uh, kind of the carrot you know and that next year it would. Uh, it would be more, yeah. and I just looked at him. I said, uh, "Magnum, you've seen the way I wrestle. Like there might not be a next year." <laughs> and he said, "I'm going to recommend. You know, you know, you get the uh, the bigger. I mean, it's not a secret. It was a three, you know, three grand a week, uh, which was you know, that's pretty all good, the money man. The to me. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good I, WCW know, I did my own contract. Negotiating and uh, it was a, made a world of difference, and uh, you know, it allowed me to have a family and you know, get a mortgage and." Uh, and uh, who knows? If it hadn't been for GWF, uh, I don't know if I would have had the uh, um, confidence to ask for ask for more money out of the gate. I really like that. I like Joe's vision, though. Like, I mean, it was. I and, and Joe just. I mean, uh, I hope that guy's doing good because he he. Um, you know, I owe that guy a, a lot. Like, he gave me a, a the first you know international or national platform that so everyone could see me. So, anyways. Yeah, I've been hearing about you for years, you know, on the independent scene, and then, you know, I think of all the uh, uh, debuts. It wasn't your debut, but uh, that match over win over Razor, that was uh, something that very few fans who ever saw will ever forget. Deserving of the high rating it gets in Raw's greatest moments. It should have gotten a higher rating, Mick. (laughs) That that poll was fixed. I tell you. <laughs> hey, man. Well, you know, when I was watching it, I was like, all right, you know, you know, the fans obviously are going to lean towards things that happened in the last few years. Yeah. And you see things, you know, I don't know, t- ask again in 10 years and see if a few of these more recent moments stand up. But the fact that that was, what, 20, uh, 22, 23 years ago? Yeah. The one, the one that I, the one that um, I'm really grateful to be a part of that was, that ranked really high, can't remember how high it was on the list, but was when you won the, the title and and we were out there with you, so I was part of that moment. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the the poster there where you're. To this day, I maintain that it was like you see the look on your face. You have a huge smile on your face and uh, a road dog, big smile, Triple H, and then Billy Gunn does not look happy. No, to this day I, I'm like I, he says he wasn't happy as he had to support my big butt on his yeah. shoulders. I maintain he's not happy because he was thinking this should be me. Should up be there. me, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but wow, that Mick, how could how could we not have those big ass smiles on our faces? Like those were, <laughs> those were as about as authentic of happy smiley faces as you could get, man. Yeah, that was a fun. I mean, that was a fun few weeks where I was like, kind of like a you know uh, an honorary DX member. <laughs> like, I 
can't even remember how that started, you know, but you guys were out there with me. It just started organically. Uh, a couple, uh, yeah, yeah, it was very organic because I was like uh, such an, you know, an oddity and you guys kind of embraced me and you saw I uh, had the odds stacked against me. So it was, uh, and even, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And Mick, even the moment after you won, that moment of all us in the ring, that wasn't planned. We didn't talk about that beforehand. No, no, no. And uh, and I look back, like I wrote about this in the, the first book, you know, I think Rock and I had that. Um, you know, better matches than that. But the fact that there was so much going on, you know, that night meant we didn't really have a chance to discuss anything. Yeah. And so it just had that feel like an authentic feel that you can't get when you work too many things out. And, yeah. um, and then it was just really, uh, you know, it was like you know, that kind of magic in the air that I've always said you can't, you can't script. Like that's always the wild yeah. card, you know, you can have the greatest workers in the world. And sometimes there's just that element of magic's missing. Uh, but that night, you know, it was there, and uh, you know, Stone Cold's music hit, and place went crazy, and we got the uh, the three count, and then of course the you know the ratings, you know, played into our you know really worked out, and that night became a real you know watershed moment for uh, the company. Yeah, I was, it was. Go ahead, go ahead, Denise. Oh uh, yeah, I wanted to know where did the idea from mankind come from, and who was I guess I can say the forefront in creating that. <laughs> Well, I officially signed a document saying that WWE <laughs> created that created the character, the mannerisms. Uh, but I don't think Mr. McMahon will mind if I tell you they gave me a mask. <laughs> you know, that, right. They gave me a mask, and uh, you know, found out from, through Bruce Bruce Pritchard like 15 years later that uh, you know the mask was just Mr. McMahon's concession. He literally said, and this is something I said on the Cheap Pop specials. All right, I'll bring him in. I'm covering up his face. <laughs> so the mask was a prototype that had been made for Undertaker when he had fractured his orbital bone. Right. And they wanted him to cut, you know, he wanted to come back. They wanted him back. He was such a valuable part of the company, and they couldn't just put him in something generic, you know. Uh, and so they had uh, the, the um, creative team coming up with ideas, and eventually went with kind of a really cool Phantom of the Opera type look. Uh, but the Mankind Mask was a prototype that had been drawn uh, that Mr. McMahon liked, and he was looking for somebody to uh, to wear it. And uh, and I guess, you know, like I said, his concession to Jim Ross, who'd been working really hard on my behalf, was, all right, I'll bring him in. <laughs> but, he's, you know, I'm covering up his face. And uh, I, once, I, once I became sold on the idea... You know, because honestly, I, I didn't think Cactus Jack was something that needed removing or repairing. It had kind of worked, you know, yes. wherever I'd gone. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a chance to try something different. And I really put my uh, my mind and my heart into it. And came up with a bunch of different things and a backstory that made the character feel real to me. And I just had to, you know, because the character was really dark when it started in 96, I had to find a way to kind of uh, get into that groove. And uh, and I was lucky that I was able to experiment and come up with a lot of things on my own. And that uh, also that Mr. McMahon, you know, took a lot of my ideas, like the all, you know, the uh, alternative uh, entrance and uh, exit music and yeah. the name itself, Mankind. Um, so, yeah, although I did sign that document saying they, uh, they owned it, um, I had a lot of uh, freedom to create that character. The one, the one thing that sticks out in my mind, Mick, uh, from the early days of, of of you doing that character was just the f of how all in you were on on that, and just to the point where 
you would cut your hair and pull your hair out during, you know, pull clumps of your hair out during your promos. And I'm like, man, this is going to get over because this guy's going all F and in on this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this, uh, I take Mr. Miyagi's words to heart when he said, you know, you stand on one side of the road, you're fine. You stand the other, you're fine. Uh, you stand in the middle, you get squashed like a grape. So you either do it or you don't, but you don't, uh, you know, do anything halfway, uh, especially in WWE. Yeah. Well, you had so many memorable matches with so many different wrestlers. When you look back at your career, like for you personally, what would you say is that moment that always just stands out for you or that specific match or a specific worker? Oh, there were there were a lot of them. And I would say, uh, before I give you a, like a vague answer, um, that I think that the, the thing that I brought to the table – um, is that the character, you know, both Cactus Jack and Mankind, to a lesser extent, <laughs> do love. But the character worked well with a lot of different um, uh, performers. You know, that it worked well against uh, against The Undertaker. And, it, you know, the chemistry was really good against uh, with Triple H. And it was like off the charts, you know, me and The Rock both as... Uh, opponents and even better as as partners so it just seemed to work well with a variety of different characters and with all those guys uh i had i had you know phenomenal moments you know the undertaker and the 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 hell in a cell i'll get a cheap plug for the uh the 20 years of hell yeah. tour which kind of recreates that match and that night on stage in 20 uh, cities around the country and then also with, with Steve Austin, you know, it was just phenomenal to be in there with Steve because literally everything you did in the ring was getting a better reaction than you'd ever dreamed of. Yeah. Like even the smallest. It was just yeah. every night was like, uh, I, I don't want to say it was a night off because Steve made sure it wasn't a that's night right. off. You know, like that's an ultimate compliment to some guys, but Steve wanted, he didn't want, he, he, he didn't want to be known as a night off. He wanted to be known as a guy who worked his butt off and brought out the best in you and, you know, and, uh, and, uh, took and gave and, and made it, uh, really believable. And, uh, and then the stuff with the rock. So, I mean, with triple H, I had the, um, the two matches at the, uh, beginning of 2000, the, um, Royal rumble. And then the, uh, the no way out retirement match. Uh, and with the rock, I had, you know, five or six, you know, really classic matches. The undertaker and I went around the loop for, months and uh and then ended up having our you know most memorable match you know two you know two years after that first uh uh lockup so there were yeah there were a lot of great guys uh, uh and a lot of great moments to, to pick from how about your stuff with randy orton yeah yeah i mean yeah. my favorite match of all time uh there was this is where I tell people, have a plan B. You know, because back in the day when I could have an idea and be in, the, in Vince's office the next day pitching it, yeah. you know, I literally said, okay, you know, I haven't been in the ring, uh, you know, in four years. Uh, what if I go into the Royal Rumble and I win it? And because I haven't been on Raw or SmackDown, I challenge both champions to like a three-way match, and I win that. I become the undisputed heavyweight champion. He just looked at me and said, I have no interest whatsoever in doing that. And I went, okay, okay. I also have an idea for Randy Orton. <laughs> and, as, and as soon as I started talking, he started writing down ideas, and he would say, oh, I'm not sure I understand. And I would say, like, he would go on like a, he would start, like, filing political attack ads. And the company's done it since then, but I think mine was the first. And he was like, okay, I'm not sure I follow you. I was like, 
everyone hates those. You know, like, just imagine him at a commercial that says, Mick Foley claims to be the hardcore legend, but is he really? And and we just took that ball and ran with it. And, uh, you know, Randy, you know, really, I think, came into his own during that 12-week yeah. buildup. And, uh, you know, again, we had that chemistry and, and, uh, and the match, you know, it's my favorite match of all time. And I think to this day it's still his, or at least in the top uh, two or three, which was uh, Backlash uh, 2004. Yeah. Well, that was like in the early stages of Randy's career. Did you ever think that he would become as big as he did during that point when you were working with him? <laughs> well, I don't think anyone looks and goes, geez, you know, 13 years later, he'll be, you know, 15-time world champion or whatever it's been. But I clearly, I, you know, I really, I knew he had the potential. Um, because when guys are looking to come back and create, you know, uh, angles, you want to do it with people that you believe in. So I, I definitely had that belief. You know, in the, Randy, you look at the the matches and the the promos, and he looked like a kid out there. Um, but yeah, he was great. He really trusted trusted me, and uh, uh, there were guys in the company who didn't like where the angle was going. And I just like just, you know, I've got your I assure him I've got your best interests at heart. In the end, it's going to work out, and uh, I think he would tell everyone that uh, you know they did. I think that I think that um, that helped make Randy Orton. Honestly, that that uh, particular angle you did with him, Nick. Yeah, yeah, it, it changed. Um, yep. it, it's so much so you brought him to the I, next I level. Caught, I caught the yeah, I caught the red eye home uh, from Edmonton, and my uh, son Huey was in the. He was like one. He was dehydrated. Uh, so he was in the hospital. So I spent uh, several hours uh, in the hospital with him. I went home, and Raw was on. And it was like palpable the difference in the reaction. I think they were in Calgary the next night. Yeah. We were in Edmonton, and Randy Orton came out, and uh, the difference in crowd reaction. There were a lot of cheers because people had seen the match, and they uh, uh, and they really respected him. Yeah. So uh, you know, I thought honestly it turned him babyface way too early. I think within two or three months he was a you know uh, evolution that attacked him. And uh, I, you know, I hate to see a turn happen too early, but oh, yeah. uh, it was it was hard not to admire him after the beating he took in that match. Yeah. Hey, Mick, um, I'm I'm working on my autobiography right now, and I have to have I try to do it myself, but I need someone to uh, help me. So uh, Maria Menounos' husband Kevin is uh, writing it with me. Uh, anyway, oh, nice. Yeah, and he's a great great author. He's, anyways. Um, the reason why I brought that up is because I was on the airplane with you on the way back from Europe when you were frustrated with how the how your first book was going, and you just you you wrote the you wrote damn near the whole book on the on the flight home. <laughs> well, I, I did not the whole book, but, but I a did lot write of that it. Entire, I think uh, it was two legs. I think it was like twenty consecutive hours, including the uh, uh, flight. You know, back. Uh, Back from the states, back to Pensacola, where I was living at the time. So I'd written, you know, some incredible amount of words in a single day by hand. But I did that whole thing in 50 days. Um, <laughs> uh, 180,000 words, almost 4,000 handwritten words a day. And there were some days when I could, you know, couldn't get to writing much because I had, you know, the WWE workload. But other days where I literally did nothing, you know, but write all day long. And uh, I don't know if anyone will ever have that type of, you know, like uh, uh, momentum. 
I guess, or that kind of feeling yeah. like that, a feeling of urgency. Because I did have a writer who was doing it, and I just thought, you know, deep down, I was like, not deep down, I just thought, obviously, and I sounded crazy to Judith Regan uh, at the time when I told her I wanted to do it myself because, I, you know, no athlete or celebrity, you know, wrote their own, or I don't want to say no, but it was very, very rare, and yeah. especially the idea of a wrestler doing it seemed pretty shocking and i just said well i'll tell you what let me hand in something and we'll see if you like it and uh like a, a few days later i sent in 72 pages of notebook paper and uh she called me back she said uh, we like it <laughs> let's let's go for it and uh you know thankfully there was a market for it and it changed uh, opened up a lot of opportunities for me and for others and for others mick yeah yeah You're, and that, even you know yes. even uh, above and beyond the you know the the book, um, uh, it just uh, it made me see that you know, uh, you know, you could try anything. Like yeah. uh, I like every almost anybody's career. You know, yeah. it's been mine has been marked by far more failures than successes. But uh, you know, uh, I've always said the worst thing in the world is to be. I don't know if I've always said this. It's probably not literally the worst thing in the world. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy sitting around on my couch. Ten years down the line, going, I should have done. I should have done that. I should have given it a try. And uh, so I do my best not to be that guy. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I, I don't often sit around going, I wonder. Like I wonder what if. Yeah, Nick. Hey, um, we're getting towards the end of this, and uh, and I'm so grateful. Like I said earlier, uh, for your time. Uh, but I, I just wanted to um, uh, give you, like, give you a an opportunity to talk about like you know in depth uh the 20 years of hell tour you know because yeah, you've been, yeah. you've been hitting I mean, on that uh, a bit. when i was um you know i was starting i was about eight years ago when i you know went up on stage and and uh at that point you know i like i wanted to talk about other things outside of wrestling you know i mean yeah. <laughs> every every guy i think starts out by talking about you know his body parts because you can do it <laughs> it's a lot, like in public, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I think every comedian is drawn to that originally. And then, yeah, yeah, I got that out of my system. And also realized when I went to the uh, Just for Last Festival in Montreal yeah. that we're like, there were like 250 funnier guys than me in the hotel. And that I'd been kind of running away from this thing that made my show different, which yeah. was, you know, I had the, uh, the, the stories and the coolest, like, real job in the world to talk about. And uh, and so once I realized that the shows, it's almost like a guy with a, a gimmick, you know, a guy who works much better within the confines of a gimmick. Yes. Uh, it's you know, it just instead of saying like you can do any move in the world, everything is fair game. You know, you tighten it up and you say, here's your character. This is what your character will be doing. And once I realized that, uh, you know, the shows really took off, got a lot better, were more interesting for me because I could. Even if it was a well-known story, I could rewrite it for the stage, yeah. and then it was really uh, rewarding for me to see, you know, the writing I did, you know, work out the way I hoped it would, or, or find ways to adjust it, you know, even on a nightly basis, yeah. to uh, find ways to make the stories as good as they can be. And uh, I realized a few years ago when these stories about the cell were really connecting, that uh, I had the makings of something that I thought I could turn into a one-man show about that one night. So I'll take some of the ideas I may have thrown out there on stage and I'll uh, connect them and 
I'll just work as hard as I can to make it the best show possible. And we're taking it to 20 cities, you know, in North America and then to Australia as well. And if people are interested and it sounds like something they'd like to, you know, experience, they can go to my website, which is realmickfoley.com and hit the events page and see, uh, uh, see if I'm visiting a town near them. For those of you in California, he'll be at the Ice House in Pasadena on May 3rd. Yeah, those yeah. VIP tickets. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's a great venue. It's a pretty intimate venue. And uh, and uh, I have Ellen Foley opening up for me. So uh, she's a, a great uh, comic, and I just like the idea of, uh, you know, two Foley's on, the, on stage. Uh, was Dave Foley booked? <laughs> and then also look. Yeah, yeah we, we talked about that, making a, a trifecta at one time. So he and I keep in touch a little bit on uh, social media. And then for you guys who are looking, um, you definitely should check out the VIP package that they do have for the Ice House. It's like VIP meet and greet. You get to hang out in the, lo- the lounge, um, and then you get the get to pick any seats in the two front rows in the Ice House, That's which is absolutely amazing for $75. Wow. So I'm sure there's not going to be that many tickets, so don't, like, wait on, on that. Well, wait, yeah. wait, wait. I'm going to correct you, and this is something you probably shouldn't do, is you go out and say, hey, the tickets to the Ice House are, like, one of only three cities that are not moving uh, quickly, so you can get those, uh, you can get really good seats. Uh, but it's a small venue, and uh, and we do expect it to, to fill up as we get closer to showtime. But as of this moment, if you're near Pasadena, yeah, yeah, you can get tickets, and there'll be, uh, be good ones, too. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, I was curious... Have you watched Beyond the Mat with Noel and Dewey as adults, and have Mickey and Huey seen Beyond the Mat? Man, I don't think we have. Uh, I don't think we've watched that in a while as a family. Probably ten years. Not since the, uh, not since the younger ones were old enough to, you know, to appreciate it. Maybe we should do that. You know, they might get a kick out of seeing their older brother and sister breaking down in tears. I. Uh... I saw, I ran into Barry Blaustein at uh, when when something Bruce Pritchard yeah came to uh, came to town for something to wrestle with. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 How's he doing? I oh, seem to be doing great. Yeah. He had a yeah. I still I he still had a beautiful lady with him. him. He seemed to be happy. <laughs> All right, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that that movie was uh, uh, almost twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, I think uh, he started talked to me in uh, 95 Barry uh, Bloom knocked on my door when I was uh, at the golden not the golden I think it was the silver copper nugget off the strip in Vegas and uh, he introduced me to Barry Blaustein and at that point in the movie uh, you know I was supposed to be the guy who had had like a you know a taste of the big time and was now back out you know on the small you know on the indie scene and luckily things uh turned around for me but yeah we go back uh we go back a long time yeah that should be your next one-man show tour like that <laughs> what's that with just talking about beyond the mat and how impactful it was <laughs> to letting people well, the, the, well the nice thing about the one-man show is you know even after i tell my stories you get the q and the q and a and uh and uh and some some nights you know the people touch on ideas or story you know touch on uh subjects that i may not have thought of and then they can turn into uh, a story uh, for, for the next tour. Uh, but then uh, there are nights where, you know, the Q&A is <laughs> probably better than the show itself. We talked about your tour and all these dates you have upcoming. Are you going to be all in on September 1st? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I really, uh, I really, 
uh, take my hat off to those guys. Uh, all those guys, they really, uh, you know, reached an audience. And uh, and I saw the phenomenon of the, the, the Bully Club shirts and did a, you know, spent a few hours writing about it. And uh, I got hundreds of comments. And so many of them touched on the same thing, which was these guys have made watching uh, wrestling fun for them yeah. again. Uh, so a lot of them, it wasn't like when I was at the show, like people were anti, you know, anti Mick Foley. Like they were fans of mine as well. They were people who'd been fans who kind of, I think, you know, kind of lost touch and then found something else they loved about it. That's one of the things I love about the business is that it's not one size fits all, you know, that, uh, there's a room somewhere. It's kind of a big tent, so you can find different shapes and sizes, and uh, you know, different styles. And uh, those guys, all those guys, uh, uh, you know, have a great appeal. And I wish them the very best. I don't know if I'll be part of it, but uh, I'll certainly help get the word out. I'll be rooting for it to be a big success for them. Oh God, I it just had the having fun that old part of, the, of your answer just made me think of this, Mick. Before we let you go. Because uh, I took it as well. The penis plex, the you porn plex <laughs> from Joey Ryan. Oh my God, Jim Cornette. Oh my God, he was he went crazy over there. He was livid, man. He was so <laughs> he was so upset with me. Uh, I look, the funny thing to me was that Cordy said like Mick's too nice. He has to learn to say no. And my it was, was your like, idea. Did he think this was not my idea? Like I went out all day in uh, uh, Dublin doing you know media for uh, for the over the top uh, show as two shows, one in Dublin, one in uh, Belfast. And so the Joe, the promoter, dropped me off, and uh, I went, "Hold on!" Like I was getting out of the car, I said, "Do you mind if I come up with something <laughs> for Joey Ryan?" He said. Uh, whatever you can do, whatever you like. And so the next day, uh, there were a couple of the uh, Irish wrestlers around. I said, Joey, uh, if I if I went for a mandible claw, like, could you do a leapfrog high enough? And then uh, the guys kind of pop and goes, Oh, that writes itself, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. we used a little bit of powder. So I didn't know who it was that was tapping me on the shoulder went <laughs> the claw. He leapfrogged it, and the rest is history. And uh, you know. Did you have Sako on? Been, what's that? Did you have Mr. Sako on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so not only did he flip me, but prior to flipping me, he literally, you know, knocked 10 people. The like, guys were taking bumps over the top <laughs> rope. Uh, and, of course, it's ludicrous. But, yeah, um, of course it is. <laughs> you know, if, if this was the old days, you know, and say it was, you know, studio wrestling or, you know, no matter where it was, you know, you can make people laugh and you can be the butt of the joke. And then the next week you come out as a vicious heel and, you know, yeah. and get some heat and, and, uh, and you, you put that, uh, you know, kind of aura of fear back into people because yeah. they've had a chance to laugh at you. And, uh, so uh, yeah, I, and I mean, Corny was one of the best guys in the business of making people laugh and cut them off and yeah. exposing himself to ridiculous situations and coming back with a real killer, uh, promo. So, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, it's, it's, supposed to be fun there's uh some amazing wrestling you know on those over-the-top shows and um you know i didn't see any harm in it and i thought people enjoyed it exactly uh, i'll just have to you know but i do get it i do get that one i do get like i don't begrudge uh corny his you know his views on that like he (laughs) he has the right to get upset about that oh of course yeah yeah 
Um, I think he thinks we're all trolling him, though. Maybe we are. No, I, <laughs> hey, man. I don't know. But, uh, look, I see Joey's gimmick, and uh, it's it's funny. It, the crazy thing is, it's not offensive, and kids love it. They love it's it, kid, you know. Uh, and uh, the, the next night in uh, Belfast, you know, um, Session Moth uh, Martina, which is a great character, yeah. got got involved in doing her own take on uh, Joey's uh, uh, character, and it's uh, it's fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, no one wants to watch a show where you know it's all classic wrestling for three hours. Uh, so I think you mix it up. There's a place uh, in that tent for Joey and. Even for a returning guy like me to take the dreaded uh, the, the the flip, so yes. uh, hey, I guess that's as good a way to end as as we can, right? Nick, yeah, but I, I just thought of one more thing. I'm sorry, I'm really <laughs> that's sorry. Right. Uh, and, and it's something that I read uh, you mentioned uh, in the last few days, and that's uh, uh, and I agree with you 100 percent that uh, that uh, Leon White, aka Vader, and uh, and Joni should both be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, people go around and around because obviously there's you know dozens of people who are deserving, and and it's a pretty subjective hall. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like you get in a baseball hall of fame based on statistics and you know things that are very uh, uh, that are very objective. Uh, but I think when you look at the contributions that Leon made, you know. Uh, you know, and with WWE being, you know, probably the least impressive run he had, but I think that's only because people were in his ear, and it was pre-Attitude Era, yes, where he wasn't really allowed to be the Vader that had struck fear into the hearts of, you know, right. enhancement workers around the country. Yeah. Uh, and I thought he was a dominant performer who drew, you know, more money than just about anybody in his era around and the world. The finest... Around the yeah, world, yeah, around, before around he the even world. before he even came to WWE. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He drew it around the world. Um, he was a world champion. Mick, he was a world champion in, in uh, Mexico. He was a world champion for Otto Vons. He was a world yeah, champion yeah. In, in Japan, all at the same time. Yep, yep, and then he was dominant in WCW, and it, I, the thing is, it means it would mean so much to him. He just had an operation yes. of his heart. Uh, you know, I mentioned it to Vince last year uh, that uh, I wish he'd consider it sooner rather than later because yes. uh, uh, I know how much it would mean to him. And I had a talk with Leon, and I'm like, Leon, you can't let that, you know, the hall that invite decide for you whether or not yes. your career was a success it was and he's like i know i just i can't help it it would just it would it would he said it would felt like it would legitimize his career and i'm like it's I, that's can't sad. tell someone yeah it's sad to hear that he thinks yeah that. and uh and i think yeah, it's just uh for Joni, i think it'd be uh, i love the fact that uh She's mentioned on WWE that uh, you know they they show her in video, um, and I hope it's a sign that you know one day she'll be in. And again, it's a uh, you know if it's a, you know it's if, if it's inevitable that one day she'll be in, even though I don't think it is, uh, I'd just like to see it sooner rather than later as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so those are those would be my top two people who are not yet in, although they're you know 
like I said, dozens of deserving people. So many. One of them down the line. Well, and, and I appreciate you saying that, Mick, but I like, there's so many people that I think need to go in there for me. And I'm, and, and un, like, barring an unforeseen accident, I'm not going anywhere now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah and, and, you know, and, and look, if the horsemen are in as a unit, then uh, I think you make a great argument that DX should be in as a unit. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to complain if Shawn Michaels enters the Hall of Fame twice. You know, nope. like, uh, <laughs> nope. I think that'd be just uh, just fine. So, listen, I have to run, yes. but uh, I, I don't need many of these. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. I, I hope I'm it grateful was fun Nick. for you. It was. It was uh, amazing. You're, I, and I'm so grateful. And all your uh, great the time work. just flies by. Yeah. I'm sorry that uh, I didn't get a chance to talk with all all the people who hung around the studio, but uh, uh, I hope they'll come out and see the show at the Ice House. Uh, <laughs> And uh, uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the show. Thank you, Mick. Have an awesome day, uh, man. All right, you too. Okay, always a pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Mick. Like I said, I'm so grateful that Mick took the time, you know, to come on. And I hit him up fairly last minute too, you know. Uh, I had a couple other uh, guests Irons lined in the fire. up. Yeah, but I upgraded to Mick <laughs> when I had a chance. <laughs> uh, um. Anyways, uh, what were you going to say about uh, some of the stuff that Mick wanted to talk about? Well, Mick will to? also be at WrestleCon. Yes. He wanted to mention that, as well as his uh, 20 Years of Hell tour. Yep. You'll be at WrestleCon for that wrestling club all three days, yep. along with Mean Gene, Kevin Nash, and Al Snow. Yep. As well as this Friday in Cleveland, Tennessee for One Fall. One Fall Power Factory presents uh, One Fall Wrestling. You'll be wrestling on Friday, and then Saturday, that same company, Power Factory 1, the number one FW, has a seminar that you'll be performing at, helping students. And then later that night in Canton, Georgia. Well, I'm in Tennessee one night, too. Tennessee Friday. Yes. Saturday is the seminar. Okay. And then Saturday night, you're in Georgia wrestling. Okay. At Canton, Georgia, for Georgia Premier Wrestling. All right, GPW. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Stay tuned to Sean's Twitter to find all, right. all that information. <laughs> is that a Glacier School that you're helping? Yes, yes that is, actually. Okay. Good friend Ray Lloyd. He's yeah. Good, good, good dude. Yeah, we good love dude. Ray. Yeah, and anyways, I was about ready to go off on a tangent about sorry, Ray. Sorry, that's my fault. Save but that for yeah. next week. Anyway, all right, so Marty. Again, real quick, all your your um, social media stuff and the name of your supplement company. Go find me at Martin Casaus on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find my supplements at martincasaus.com. Uh, basically, look at Marty the Moth. You'll find me on everything. Thank you, Marty. Thanks. So grateful that you came down, and I'm grateful that you brought some product for me to try. Gotta let me know, brother. How Thanks, man. Thanks, bro. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, tune in next week uh, right here on XPOC 12360. On Westwood One and the Jericho Network. Oh, yeah. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark Donica, Jimbo Frank, and TK Trinidad, and the entire XPOC 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC, and email us at XPOC1236Show at gmail.com. <laughs>